if something is giving you more anxiety than information, you don't necessarily need to be seeing that in your news feeds and your push notifications all the time. everyone, Emily here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life. And my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. Today for Hurdle Moment, I am so excited to be chatting with my friend and new author, Casey Guerin. She's got a new book coming out called It's Probably Nothing, The Stress-Less Guide to Dealing with Health Anxiety, Wellness Fads, and Overhyped Headlines. And today we are chatting about the topic of how to have a more compassionate relationship with your body. Listen, life is stressful, right? Anxiety these days, especially in the age of coronavirus, it is what seems like ambient. And so Casey and I are addressing how to just take a deep breath and navigate a lot of the things that we're stressing about day by day. I'm talking about the stuff that you're heading over to Google and you're asking, and we love this phrase, is XYZ normal? Casey gives examples like, is my period normal? Is my right boob bigger than my left boob normal? Is it normal to sweat at 4 p.m. every day? I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing out things into the stratosphere universe right now, but you get what I'm saying. We all freak out so much, especially when it comes to our health. And Casey and I talk about how we both have certainly done this in the past. And she offers up tons of tips and research-backed suggestions of how to navigate this anxiety on the day-to-day, how to be just more compassionate with yourself. I really love this conversation. Casey is a veteran editor. I have met her during my journey in the journalism space here in New York City. And so she has literally interviewed and spoke with so many top experts on her journey to becoming an expert herself. So you can trust that there is a lot of really great tidbits in this episode. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And exciting, the membership kicks off this Friday. And I've mentioned this before, but tons of great members-only exclusive perks like regular journaling prompts, exclusive message boards, and an event that I've been putting together with my dear friend, Adrian Williams in mid-month, a one-on-one chat talking about what the first value that we're going to be focusing on community means to each of us. I would love for you to get in on the membership. For more details and to sign up, text the word membership to 732-HURDLER. Again, that is text the word membership to 732-HURDLER. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Casey Guerin. She is a new author, an old friend of mine in the journalism world. Her new book coming out is called It's Probably Nothing. How are you doing, Casey? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm so good. I love connecting with old friends for the show. It just like brightens my day. 
I know. I'm so grateful to be talking to you about this because I feel like we have these conversations not recorded and <laughs> they always feel like we're we're solving the world's problems. So oh. I'm excited to get into it. Health journalists doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. have an extensive background in reporting and journalism. So why don't we shed a little bit of light on your expertise and how you got to the point where you were writing and reporting this book? Sure. So I got started in women's magazines, which was always like the biggest dream of mine. So in like middle school, high school, I mean, women's magazines were my escape, my entertainment, my education in a lot of respects, because come on, Cosmo and 17 and women's health totally taught you more than sex ed did for sure. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to be the one writing those stories and interviewing those experts. So I um, went to college for both journalism and psychology because I noticed that a lot of articles quoted psychologists. So I'm like, that'll that'll be helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I was lucky enough to intern in college in magazines. I started at interning at Cosmo, at Women's Health, at Psychology Today, um, which you know, just side note is I think such a privilege to begin with because there's definitely a lot of gatekeeping, as you know, in the media industry and the people that are able to take those internships end up getting those connections and and getting to get into those positions. And that's definitely what happened to me after college. I had um, the opportunity to work at Cosmo because I'd already interned there. And I was immediately drawn to the health sections because I was always really stressed out and worried about my body and my health. And those were always the articles that I read first. So (laughs) I started writing uh, for like the Cosmo body section, Cosmo gyno. And I mean, this is way back in the day. (laughs) And I found it way more interesting to interview those doctors, researchers, psychologists than interviewing celebrities. (laughs) No offense, celebrities. Um, And yeah, it was just, it was fascinating getting to talk to these people and then distill it into information that people could actually understand and and find entertaining. I really appreciate the fact that you also studied psychology in your undergrad. I haven't said this out loud anywhere yet, but I'm saying it right now with you. I've been thinking a lot about going back for my master's in psychology. Oh my gosh, you would be an amazing therapist. (laughs) Well, I just find that, I mean, to your point about reading all of these articles and reporting all these articles and working with all these experts, I feel as though, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but (laughs) I like, I'm a certified trainer and I'm a run coach and I have this like level one precision nutrition certification, but the area where my interests are actually most like present really has to do with like the mind and the body and talking about how we feel and exercising aspects of self-help. And so, yeah, I've just been thinking about that, but I really admire that that was something that you paired with your experience. And I can totally identify with you when you say that you found it most interesting to talk to a lot of experts in these fields when it came to your reporting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like those, I had to take like stats classes for psych majors, which was reading all those really jargony, long, dense studies that now I do on a day-to-day basis, you know, for my job. So I do think there's definitely value there in in getting more education around the topic that you're going to be covering a lot. Um, 
but yeah, I, I kept diving deeper into health reporting and editing. I went to women's health where I was covering their health and their sex sections online. And then I went to Buzzfeed, which was of course a crash course in, in digital media. And there's nothing that'll tell you more about what people are interested in consuming on the internet than working at BuzzFeed and having access to all of that data for that huge audience in like 2014 to 2017 was when I was there. Uh, and again, covering health. So it was seeing like what people around the world and all sorts of demographics were interested in reading about health and wellness. Um, and then I landed at Self Magazine first as uh, their health director and then as executive editor. So then it was more the content strategy aspect of like, what are we covering in health and why? Not so much doing the writing and editing on a day-to-day -day basis as much. So yeah, I, I would have been health writing and editing for about 10 years now. And I just recently pivoted out of on-staff media. I know that you did a similar <laughs> thing, so you can totally relate. Um, but yeah, for me, I was already kind of thinking like, maybe, maybe this is a good moment to try something new. I've been all consumed with health and wellness content for a very long time. And as someone who was also very anxious about my body, very stressed about my health all the time, it did feel like it was kind of all consuming. Yeah. And then, and then COVID hit <laughs> and it was even more all consuming. Uh, and I, you know, at that moment felt like I am so lucky to be surrounded by these incredible, talented journalists, amazing editors. I feel like they got this and I think I can kind of pivot off the ladder for a bit. Maybe I'll hop back on later, but, <laughs> and get back to just kind of doing what I fell in love with at the start, which was health reporting and, and doing some editing. So that's what I'm doing now. And it was at that time that I was starting to work on this book. So of course, a lot of self-reflection about health stress and anxiety and how both the media and the wellness industry kind of plays into that and how to navigate that and your own relationship with your health and your body in a little bit healthier, more mindful way. Right, right. And, you know, it's so I love how you put it. Like, I figured it was safe for me to take a step back and that the other journalist warriors in the world could like take the reins during this global pandemic. Right. I had no doubt that self and and the rest of you know the health <laughs> journalists out there were going to cover this with the responsibility and accuracy, you know, and and compassion um, that it needed. And I wanted to also be, you know, there covering it, helping out. And I just felt like I could be a little bit more helpful from the sidelines and not necessarily up at the top of that masthead. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> I also appreciate you shedding some light on your journey to get to where you are today, because I do think that this is a popular question, right? Like how did you get to be the XYZ at this XYZ title? And there is a lot of, you know, hard work and dedication and many years of what I would say or refer to as dedicated service to get to be closer and closer to the top of these 
top editorial masthead. So really, really beautiful and a testament to your work ethic to see where you ended up. And now I, selfishly, am excited to see you kind of step into your own and doing your own thing because I certainly uh, can co-sign that it is a very liberating and special opportunity to not only uh, kind of go in your own direction, but also learn about the things that interest you and the things that excite you and spread your wings in the way that feels really natural to who you really are instead of, you know, going by the parameters of whatever brand you happen to be working with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's been so it's been so interesting too to get to work with so many of I'm I'm sure you had this experience too. So many friends, colleagues that now are at different brands. It feels like I don't want to make freelancing seem like always the best thing ever. It is hard. <laughs> um, it is hard. It is very hard. But it also feels sometimes like you're just getting to work with all of your favorite people. And yeah. you don't always get to do that when you are on staff because you are very siloed. Very true. Very true. Well, let's pivot a little bit now and talk about this new chapter. Like I said, new author of a book, It's Probably Nothing, The Stress-Less Guide to Dealing with Health, Anxiety, Wellness Fads, and Overhyped Headlines. Wow. I'm sure that title wasn't something that just popped out one day. (laughs) It certainly wasn't. No, it's so funny because this title was felt like a very lofty subject even before COVID. And now... It feels like the stakes are so much higher when it comes to navigating the health information and misinformation that's out there and not freaking out about your body and your health every single day, which is an ongoing challenge for me and I'm sure a lot of other people. Yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to that. I feel like in the last 18 or so months, my definition of normal, like with many others, I'm sure has certainly shifted. And I literally last week, like took a deep breath for the first time and almost felt as though it was the first time I took a deep breath that I didn't feel like that air in my lungs was being met with like a stone wall that it couldn't get through. I could not remember the last time that I had taken a breath like that and didn't feel like just this overwhelming mounting anxiety. And I was like, wow, I forgot what this felt like. Right. I think that so many of us are in this like constant state of whether it's low level anxiety, just kind of humming along with us every day, or we're feeling things that we already were dealing with, maybe it's anxiety, depression, separation, you know, isolation, um, all being exacerbated by this. And so I feel like right now is a good time for everyone to kind of check in with themselves and pay attention to how much time, energy, money they're spending on focusing on and worrying about their body and their health, because Mm. it's really hard to find that line right now of like, what's over worrying? What's excessive? Right. And then like everyone always has an opinion on if you, if you are doing too much or too little, or if you should be worrying more. And it's like, that starts with you, right? Like you're the person that gets to decide what the right choice is for you and your body. Right. That's something that I've heard from so many experts that I have interviewed about this subject recently, that the line for everyone is different. You know, only you are going to know if the amount that you are worrying about or focusing on your body is interfering with your ability to live a full life. 
um, there's no magic thresholds that can say like, oh, you you might need some support with that. You might need some help with that. Um, and especially right now, because yeah, like you said, there everyone has an opinion on what is right and responsible, and we are being you know reinforced to be careful right now and to be checking ourselves for any symptoms to protect ourselves and those around us. So it can be really hard if you're already someone who has that kind of fraught relationship with your body and you're maybe a little too attuned to what's going on. Um, it can be really a slippery slope. So we're here today specifically to talk about how to have a more compassionate relationship with our bodies. Now, in saying that phrase, having a more compassionate relationship, the question is surrounding what necessarily? Mm-hmm. Right. So I noticed working in, in health media for a decade uh, that everyone is a little bit confused and embarrassed and stressed out about their bodies. My job as an editor at these companies was to figure out what health and wellness content resonated with people. And as you know, being in this industry, one way to do that is to look at what are people searching? You know, what mm. are we Googling? What are we worried about? <laughs> and um, also, you know, the content that you are publishing, how is it doing? Are people clicking on it? Are they sharing it? Um, what's really hitting home? And I noticed a trend that so much of the content that we were doing that really did well was all around this question of, is this normal? Like some version of that question, like, is my body normal? Is my period normal? Is it normal to have one boob bigger than the other? (laughs) Is this thing that turns me on normal? Um, Is this chest pain normal? Like you said, so, um, so much wellness content is tied to that question. And that I think is where that tricky relationship with your body comes into play because it's keeping us in that cycle of worrying about and criticizing our body. And I think the biggest problem with that question of, is this normal, is that it implies that there is one normal. Mm. And we know that bodies don't work like that. And it, it hinges on there being a right and wrong way to have a body, to exist in a body. Um, which again, also bodies don't work that way. Uh, and it's it's an idea that's deeply rooted in, in ableism, right? And it's something that is, I think, really hard to unlearn because our society is constantly reinforcing that some bodies or states of health are better than others, right? It is easier to go about the world in certain bodies or certain states of health it is undeniably hard to live with a chronic illness or a disability. So it makes sense of why we are constantly consumed by that question of like, is this normal? Is this healthy? Is this worthy of concern? Is this harmless? Is it common? Because we do want to avoid that to some extent um, because it's hard. Noticing that so many people were Googling, you know, is this normal? Is what I'm experiencing normal? Just showed me that so many people had that fraught relationship with their bodies that they didn't really necessarily trust it. They were consumed by these messages that you're doing something wrong, that something on your body needs fixing or optimizing, that you should be working on your body and your health hard. 
and fixing something that maybe you don't even know is wrong yet, but we're going to tell you why it's wrong. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think it just, it keeps us trapped in that cycle of instead of having compassion for our body and listening to our bodies and trusting our bodies to instead be always kind of wound up worried and viewing it as this ticking time bomb. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, new to the show, welcome Camelback. To say that I'm amped about this partnership would be a massive understatement because I literally have cabinets overflowing with Camelback products. Camelback is all about continuously reinventing outdoor hydration and carry solutions that empower an active lifestyle and an active lifestyle is what I've got. Now, I have a ton of favorite bottles. Like I said, I have a slew of them here in my apartment. My two favorite go-tos, one, the Eddie 32 ounce water bottle. It's made of this insulated stainless steel and has a super, super handy bite valve as they call it. So it's spill and leak proof, AKA perfect for when you're on the go. Also swear by this when I'm on my Peloton, like heaving and huffing, it is idyllic. And then I cannot praise my Horizon Tumbler enough, which is ideal for my morning walks to Fort Greene Park. It keeps my coffee warm for as long as I want to stroll thanks to a double wall vacuum insulated stainless steel. It's super cozy in my hand. And because I like the process of making my own coffee, putting it in this super cozy tumbler and carrying it around, I have stopped buying so much caffeine outside of the home, which is always, always a good thing. Anyway, of course, Camelback has a deal for all of you. Head on over to camelback.com slash custom and use code HURDLE25 to get 25% off a custom Camelback of your choice today. Again, that is camelback.com, C-A-M-E-L-B-A-K.com slash custom. Use code HURDLE25 for 25% off your order today. I also want to give some love to my sponsor at AG1 from Athletic Greens. AG1 has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, plus prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. It helps to boost my energy and gives me the mental clarity I need to navigate my ever-growing to-do list. When I started taking Athletic Greens, I not only noticed a difference in the amount of attention that I have to give to my everyday tasks, but I also saw improvements in things like my skin, my hair, my nails, and from a fitness POV, I feel like I now recover quicker to perform the next day. So many benefits to this one sweet sip and all-in-one daily scoop in my regular routine. If you're not on the AG1 from Athletic Greens train just yet, now is the time. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle and get some awesome freebies with your first purchase. I'm talking a year's supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs. Again, the link athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get in on all of these perks today. No code necessary.
Right. And it seems as though what you are suggesting is that we need to be more intuitive instead of seeking that external validation for finding out whether or not something is quote unquote normal. Right. And it's even, even that is a slippery slope because so many of the experts that I've talked to about this subject have talked about when, when we talk about health anxiety, really to the point of like, when people say, I feel like I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac, you know, that actually is defined in the DSM as either illness, anxiety disorder, or somatic symptom disorder. But you can also just have experience health anxiety, the way you experience anxiety, experience depression. And when you think of, when they think about the risk factors that go into that, it's often this increased body awareness, this really sensitivity to what's going on in your body, almost paying too much attention mm. to what's going on in your body. And again, we get those messages all the time. Listen to your body, um, trust your body, and uh, you know your body best. But for some of us, that borders on kind of hypervigilance. And when we're getting all of these messages, that your body's broken and, and needs fixing and your body could be so much better if you bought this product or did this cleanse or tried this service um, and you need more data you know, on your body to be taking care of it the best way possible. It kind of does reinforce that we should be spending so much time focusing in on it. And that can, you know, for some people just be damaging to your body image, your self-esteem or your budget if you're spending so much time and money on this. Um, yes. And then for others, it could, you know, really exacerbate those feelings of anxiety because you're paying so much attention to your body. Along the lines of having a more compassionate relationship with our bodies, where would you say is a good place to start? A good place to start is to take stock of the messages that you're surrounding yourself with. Mm. So think about, you know, if you are following people on Instagram, maybe they're posting a what I eat in a day video that makes you feel like shit. You know, unfollow that person. <laughs> Unlike that brand that is always promoting articles that have really fear-mongering health headlines that are like eight surprising signs it could be cancer. And the sign is like cough or something. You know, things <laughs> that some if something is giving you more anxiety than information, you don't necessarily need to be seeing that in your news feeds and your push notifications all the time. There are some people that love wearables and really find them motivating and awesome and other people that find that anxiety inducing and realize, oh no, I'm paying way too much attention if I'm wearing this or doing this. Just kind of check in with yourself and see what's giving me information and empowerment and what is making me way too anxious about my body. Yeah. And I mean, that's a great tip. On the wearables note, I for one am uh, guilty of cycling between typically two or three different wearables on a regular basis. I mean, I'm constantly wearing a whoop and then on the other wrist, I'm going back and forth between a Garmin and an Apple watch. And for me, I ask myself often as I look down at what looks like, you know, handcuffs on both of my wrists and I'm like, why am I wearing these? And in my life, they serve different purposes, all of which I find to be useful, right? So rather than getting wrapped up in the whoop data or feeling a lot of judgment if something isn't quote unquote good, 
I look at that data and ask myself if there are habits in my life that I could be implementing to be a little bit healthier. Granted, these healthier habits would result in perhaps better whoop data, but the data in turn is helping me by giving me cues on things that I could be doing better that I know I want to be doing better because I know that they serve me. So again, there are certainly, you know, different ways to approach things like wearables, like we're talking about in this situation, but your point on finding the ones that work for you and that add positivity to your life rather than negativity is super super important. Now, beyond the external validation that we might be looking for when it comes to having a compassionate relationship with our bodies, you mentioned something before uh, on the inner dialogue that we're having, which I would infer is probably where we're going to go next about how we are talking to ourselves when it comes to what we're looking at, when we see something in the mirror, or perhaps just how we're talking to ourselves about our emotions. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're thinking about the relationship that you have with your body, you're sending yourself messages all the time, just like the messages that you're getting on social media or in subway ads and everything like that. So having that positive internal dialogue is important, but it can be so hard, especially when you are dealing with certain stress, anxiety, or worry or criticism about your body. I, for instance, have viewed my body as like this ticking time bomb my entire life. I've dealt with health anxiety for as long as I can remember. And I have spent so much time worrying about a symptom or a feeling, getting consumed by it, having panic attacks about it and reassurance seeking through Google, through going to doctors, through things like that. And so I definitely can empathize with people who don't uh, appreciate the advice that they might get that's like, oh, just stop worrying about it. Like, just just tell yourself like your body's fine. You're good. Don't worry. It goes a lot deeper than that. A lot of this comes down to being more comfortable with discomfort and uncertainty, knowing that not every little blip or noise or bump in your body is something that needs to keep you up at night. It could be uncomfortable, not necessarily pathological. And also being comfortable with that uncertainty that it could be something. You know, the title of my book, It's Probably Nothing, is my own internal monologue all the time. It's what I tell myself (laughs) all the time. It's probably nothing. Don't freak out. It's what I tell my friends and colleagues all the time when they're like, oh, you know something about, you've reported on this. Like, should I freak out about this? It's often probably nothing, but your head is going to tell you, but it could be something. And getting more comfortable with that uncertainty, which might sometimes take some support. It might take speaking to a therapist about where these worries are stemming from. Um, And often it is, you know, that we are constantly bombarded with the message that there's something to worry about. There's something to fix. There's something we could be doing better, eating better, moving better. Um, So really just paying attention to how you are absorbing those messages and how it is affecting the way that you show up in your body. If you are paying too much attention or spending too much time worrying about your body or health to the detriment of living a joyful, full life, 
that's often the line for you to pay attention to. In your research, I'm sure you have learned a thing or two about how either mindfulness or meditation can also dramatically impact the way that we speak to ourselves and what you were just referencing, not getting wrapped up if something's a little bit off. Absolutely. So I am a huge fan of the Calm app. It has been such a huge help for me. I know everyone has their own one of those kind of mindfulness apps that they really prefer, but that one has talked me off a ledge many times. And just, you know, sometimes you just have to quiet that noise in your head. Another thing, though, is keeping in mind that pushing the like distracting yourself, kind of pushing these feelings down isn't going to be as helpful as really getting to the root of them. So Mm. I think finding mental health support is so important if you do feel like you're struggling with just meditation, just mindfulness, um, because it's, it's often these feelings of anxiety are often a deeper, sorry, these feelings of anxiety often are coming from a deeper place that we might not be able to just kind of get through with meditation or mindfulness, but it's certainly a huge help in the moment. Another tip that I started doing on my own and then got validation from some of the experts in my book that, no, that's actually a good idea, is something I call the 24-hour rule. So if I am freaking out about some symptom or some catastrophic thought in my head, um, whether it is like, oh, I definitely got COVID from that one second I passed by someone who maybe was sick or like, what is this? This mole looks different than it did yesterday, you know, Um, is to if I am not, you know, on fire, in pain, debilitated, you know, if it can wait 24 hours, deal with it in 24 hours. Tell yourself, like schedule that time to worry. The planner in me really likes that. (laughs) Like I've planned to worry about it later. Um, And that's a good way that you're not necessarily like forcing yourself to distract yourself from what's going on. You're not saying that your, you know, internal body signals don't matter. You're just saying, if this is worthy of concern, it will still be worthy of concern 24 hours from now. And I often find, of course, that at that point, 24 hours later, I check in. Sometimes I won't even remember to check in about it. It's totally off my mind. And I clearly was just worrying about something to worry. Uh, and other times I, I check in and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm still kind of concerned. Now I, I feel like I can go see someone about that. I can see, <laughs> I can Google about it. I still do that too. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I will allow myself to do this then. I also think of course, of course, this comes with the caveat that if it was something that was like astronomically wrong with you, then maybe don't <laughs> wait the 24 hours. But I'm talking about right. like severe, like abdominal pain, not like, oh, is this mole a little bit different looking than yesterday? Right. If these are symptoms that you are consumed by and you, and again, that what's really hard is that panic attacks, I don't know if you've ever had one or if your listeners have, if you have, you know that you feel like you are dying right then. And so that can be a really tricky place to be in. And I do suggest still getting help if you are in that, that period, you know, I felt I mean, talk about having a more compassionate relationship with your body. In college, I definitely, you know, dragged friends with me to the ER multiple times that I swear I was having an allergic reaction or a heart attack or whatever, asthma attack, whatever. And, 
you know, was mortified to find out that I was fine, that it was a panic attack, that it was seemingly, you know, in your head, even though these are very real physical symptoms. And years later, I'm able to see, I mean, first of all, my friends are amazing. (laughs) And second of all, that there is nothing embarrassing or mortifying about getting help for a very real physical symptom that you're having and checking that off the list if you need to. Give yourself a break for seeking out the care that you need in that moment. And if it becomes a habit, you know, then look into that and, and seek out help that might help you through that. Um, but certainly don't don't ignore your body's alarms if they're telling you that you need something. Definitely, definitely. And something that you're talking about here, this theme of compassion and having grace for yourself is definitely one that's overarching when we talk about, you know, the need to be a little kinder with our bodies. Have you in your research approached experts that gave you advice on how to be better with that in terms of can a journaling practice help? Are there certain mantras that I should be saying to myself out loud day in, day out? What what did you find? Yes. So I something that I've heard from experts a lot is focusing on gratitude, having a gratitude practice, because we can get so caught up in our heads and spiral around all of the negative things. And it's just easier at that point to just go to the next negative thing and the next thing. And we're snowballing with all of the things that are wrong with my life and my body and my health at this point. Um, Finding ways to intentionally interrupt that line of thinking with the good things, which is often really hard in the moment. But once you do it, keep those lists because you need those when you are spiraling and when you are catastrophizing every little thing going on in your life. Um, It kind of helps to have greater perspective. Um, Also, just taking a step back when you are in those moments and Sometimes calling on a friend, you know, call call a friend, call a family member um, that can help you talk through it. Because often, again, we we get into our heads, and we'll just keep finding evidence for these beliefs in our head. And often, you know, if you go on Google when you are freaking out about something, you're gonna find the thing that you were worried about. <laughs> Oh man, it just makes me think about the hernia I thought I had last week. I mean, it was very possible. It was very, let me just disclaim this. It was very (laughs) possible based by where the pain was presenting itself that I had a hernia. And I had two experts tell me that it was a possibility, but thankfully we have, we have moved on past the stage of hernia and we're just at, we're just at muscle strain right now, which seems much more comforting and less invasive over time. Right. I mean, for sure. (laughs) But yes, I mean, if you go on Google with certain set of symptoms, you're going to find something that you will confirms the, you know, belief that you had in your head. Um, and, you're also just going to keep looking until you do find that. Um, and so sometimes just like zooming out from that, turn your your phone off, <laughs> turn your Wi-Fi off, kind of step away, take those tools away for a second um, and do what experts refer to as uh, Socratic questioning, which is really asking like, what evidence do I have for this belief or this thought that I'm dealing with? Um, what evidence do I have to confirm it, to refute it? And not going to Google to um, add to either pile, 
<laughs> but really just thinking, you know, in your experience and in what you're feeling. Um, and that can kind of also help you to get greater perspective and not just snowball. Um, but yeah, it can be, it can be really hard. I definitely, I had like a bullseye looking, you know, bite on my arm years ago. Um, and I'm thinking this looks super Lyme disease you know, and I Googled it. That told me, yes, it was. Um, I sent it to friends in the medical field and they're like, yep, looks limey. <laughs> and I'm freaking out. Go to urgent care. It's It was a reaction to a mosquito bite. Like it was not, <laughs> but you are going to, certain people can deal with that kind of thing and, and just kind of roll with it. And certain people, it'll really throw you for a loop and have you, again, just looking at your body through this, this critical, um, worrisome lens. And I just want people to have a little bit more grace uh, with themselves and realize that your body is normal because all bodies are normal and your body is not some unpredictable, stressful entity for you to kind of control. Is there anything that we haven't covered just yet that we want to make sure we get in before I let you go when it comes to how to be more compassionate with our bodies? So one thing I think people should also be aware of that I I need this reminder often and I get this reminder from experts often is that our bodies do all sorts of weird fluctuating and changing all the time and it does not always signal something super dangerous and scary. Um, one example of this that I find super interesting is some people experience like a, a little pain with ovulation. In the middle of the month, in the middle of your cycle, um, it's kind of like a, a little twinge. It's called middle schmerz, which is just a fun word. Um, and it's nothing wrong. I mean, that's just your body doing a thing, but it feels super uncomfortable. And some people feel it much more than other people. Um, and if you are someone like me who is very attuned to their body and always paying attention to those things, you're going to freak out. Um, similarly, you might freak out when your heart is racing and that could be attributed to increased stress. You're about to do a presentation. You had way too much cold brew this morning, like I did. Um, but sometimes your mind misattributes those signals to something dangerous. And I think us all getting a little bit more comfortable with paying attention to those signals and then letting them go by. You know, you talked about mindfulness, like so much of mindfulness is allowing thoughts to come into our head and then kind of watching them go along on this river and not focusing on them so much. And that's the same thing that I've learned from experts is a huge part of dealing with this anxiety and worry about your body. Um, because the more that you do pay attention to it, the more that it'll just seem louder in your head. And if you do end up getting a little bit more panicked about it, we all know that a panic attack can trigger that fight or flight response. That's your sympathetic nervous system really just going haywire because it thinks that you're in danger. And that does pump out adrenaline. It does cause physical symptoms that are going to further cause you to panic and freak out because you're like, well, now why am I dizzy? Why am I um, shaky and trembly and sweaty? Um, these are all very real things that are happening in your body. They're not necessarily a huge cause for alarm, um, but it's literally a false alarm happening. So I think us getting more comfortable with that 
also helps us to not freak out at every little thing. And not freak out at every little thing. It sounds like an aim that I am after. I'm so thankful that we had the chance to to sit down and to chat a little bit about this. I know that someone who deals with a lot of anxiety, a lot of this really, really resonates with me. And I am sure because of things that come into my DMs that this will definitely resonate with the community. Casey, any other words of wisdom to offer before I release you? Ooh, good question. Um, I would just say that know that know that you are not alone in your worries and in your questions about your body. We often feel really embarrassed asking different questions about our body or even questions to our doctors. And it is not your fault that you do not know exactly how your body works or what that word is that they said that's like medical jargon that why would you know that word? Uh, do not be embarrassed to ask questions. I can tell you from looking at the search data around wellness topics that you are not the only one with your question. The amount of people that Google like brown period blood or <laughs> like is my period normal or um, some very, very deep, dark, interesting things in the hundreds of thousands, these people that are Googling the same weird stuff that you are. So just know that you are not alone in what you're freaking out about. And maybe, just maybe, freaking out actually is normal. (laughs) I think there's nothing more normal than freaking out about your body. (laughs) Now that's the soundbite that I'm going to use here. Casey, how do the hurdlers follow along with you? Remind them what your book is called again so they can check it out. Give us all the details. Yes. So you can follow me at Casey Guerin uh, on Instagram, on Twitter. And my book is It's Probably Nothing, The Stressless Guide to Dealing with Health Anxiety, Wellness Fads, and Overhyped Headlines. Uh, and it is out October 5th. So if you are listening after October 5th, you can get it wherever books are sold. <laughs> if you're listening before <laughs> then, you can pre-order it now. And I'm so excited for everyone to have this as we navigate through the rest of whatever we're dealing with with COVID. The rest of whatever we have on deck. Again, thank you so much for your time, Case. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.